It's so good to be with you today. We're going to be looking at the, the topic of God's river in you. We're going to be using Romans chapter 9 as a roadmap. Romans uh, 8, in fact, is a, a template for prayer. And, and so as we work through it, um, there's, some, there's some great uh, direction that God's going to give us. Particularly as we are, we're in times when the world is in duress uh, with this current um, illness that's um, striking around the world. Uh, and so, moreover, it's, it's such an important time to get a grasp on, on where God is in all this and what he's actually doing. So I trust that as you come with me this morning that um, you'll, you'll be encouraged and enthused by what uh, Paul's written here in, in Romans chapter 8. You know, to begin with, a, a picture came to mind of, uh, of, of an amazing adventure of a bunch of guys in their different coloured plastic two-metre kayaks that they took over their shoulders, climbed up mountains and went down a track um, up into uh, the depths of uh, Tassie and, and then they jump off rocks and with their kayaks inside them and land in the water and they begin to follow the, the river down towards the sea. And, and as they do so, it's, it's not a, uh, a peaceful, uh, uh, by the uh, still waters kind of, of journey. This is white water kayaking and it's, it's an extreme sport. And I believe that as we look at Romans 8, we're going to see that God has called us into more than an extreme sport. He's calling us into an extreme lifestyle. So we start off in, in verse 1. It says, there's no condemnation now for those who live in union with Christ Jesus. It says, for the law of the Spirit, which brings life in union with Christ Jesus, has set me free from the law of sin and death. And it's worth, it's as, as though God is saying, you're good to go. That in Christ, you're good to go. There's no condemnation. You're not paralyzed. You're no, not immobilized anymore as a human being. But God has set us free to begin this amazing journey with God. You know, we've, we've got a, a part to play in this, of course. Um, just like those kayak to, kayakers going down, they've got a paddle there, and they have to engineer the craft with the water um, around the rocks, uh, over the waterfall. Sometimes you're looking 10 metre uh, waterfalls. They're jumping down. It's dangerous stuff, uh, but the water carries them down. And we have a choice too. And Paul says here, those who live as their human nature tells them then, uh, have their minds controlled by what human nature wants. Those who live as the Spirit tells them to, have their minds controlled by what the Spirit wants. And to be controlled by human nature, it graduates to death. But if we are controlled by the Spirit, 
we have life and peace. It's the life that we're called into, that Jesus talked about over and over again. I've come to give you life and that with greater abundance than you ever imagined. And, uh, and so instead of being bogged down, which our, our natural uh, propensity is to do, we tend to get bogged down, weighed down. Uh, things become too serious, as it were, and weighed down uh, by life and, and, and by the way it carries us. Um, God instead wants us to live by the Spirit and, and therefore um, it, it's exhilarating. It brings life and peace. And we've been born again for this purpose, living in the Spirit. We become, as it were, like those kayakers, river people. It says in verse 9, but you don't live as your human nature tells you to. So that's He's challenging the uh, Romans, uh, that's not you. you. You're those of the Spirit. You do, you do what he tells you to do. In fact, the Spirit lives in you. And then it says, if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from death will also give life to your mortal bodies by the presence of his Spirit in you. So here we have an amazing application of the Easter message of Christ's death for us, for the human race, and his resurrection that we might have life. Jesus, as it were, he chose to go through death that we through him might come in to a life in the Spirit. God brings his life by his spirit because he is spirit and his spirit is life indeed so we're children of the river and part of this journey is not just that as we as individuals are experiencing this new life in jesus christ but he brings us into a family and so in verse 14 he says those who are led by god's spirit are god's children we're part of his family for the spirit of God that has given you uh, does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. So God doesn't bring fear, uh, which our natural human nature tends to, to immobilize and, and intimidate and, uh, and uh, it's that destructive force of fear. But instead, it says, the spirit makes you God's children. It's like God says, welcome home, come into my family. And by the Spirit's power, it says, we cry out, Abba, Father. And so around our house, while, while we're at home so much at the moment, we're crying, Dad, Father God, love you. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. God doesn't want, as so many are immobilized and paralyzed by fear, and turning to all sorts of vices to um, medicate themselves. God is calling us here in Romans to be filled with his spirit and to be identified with the family of God. Maybe here we are today, we're in our own homes, but we're together, praise God, and we're together in spirit. I love what one of our, our congregation, Rory, says. He says, when, when you pray together, I can feel it. He's blind, he's at home but he actually senses uh, 
uh, when, when God's people, he can sense the spirit that's at work. And so I encourage you to keep on praying, uh, to keep on lifting one another up and praying for one another because we are a family. And it says all creation yearns for this life. We know that up to the present time in verse 22, all creation actually, it says, groans with pain, like the pain of childbirth. And so we see that the way creation is groaning, we can look at some very obvious examples of that. But in the, in the context of what Paul's writing about here, it's it, that it sees what's happening to us as God's children. And it says, I want that. I'm yearning for it. I'm desperate for what God is going to do and what he is actually doing in us. And it all, then he goes on to say in verse 23, but just, it's just not God's creation which groans, but we who have the Spirit as fir the first of God's gifts also groan within ourselves as we, as we wait for God to completely uh, make us his family uh, and set us free. And so what he's talking about there is that we ourselves as God's people we have the presence of the Spirit, but there's so much more. There's, we know there is so much more living in this life, in, in our bodies. And we have this yearning within us. And so we've got this picture here of creation, wanting what we've got, uh, wanting what God has for us. And we ourselves are pressing in to everything God has for us because His Spirit is encouraging us that way. I love that the way that this that it goes on in verse 26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also comes to help us, weak as we are, for we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit, God's Spirit, God who is the Spirit, pleads with, uh, pleads with God for us in groans that words cannot express. So we see the Spirit of God and God himself working together, actually praying for us. And we know that the imagery here we see in the scripture of Jesus as our intercessor. So we see God, Father, Son and Spirit carrying us along like a mighty torrent in the river of life. And, uh, and if we look around just like the disciples did when Jesus came to them on the sea. We can, we can be a little bit freaked out at times, but God is carrying us. He's in control and it's okay. Hallelujah. He's working for our good. He's interceding in a way that transforms our lives. It carries us and others with us. God is good. And if he's working for our good, if he's conforming us, in the sense here, to his family image. He uses difficulty, uses seasons of, of, of duress and, and struggle to actually press us in to who we are in Christ. And I, I trust that, that God is doing that in your life, in your family, in those around you, in your street, that God is pressing you into his image, into his purposes, like, uh, uh, like he hasn't perhaps done in a while. God is taking opportunity to form us into his beautiful family image. 
It says, we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him. Those who love him, he's saying those whom he has called according to his purpose. I trust that's you. I trust that's you today. And if you are not convinced of that, I trust that you will put your life afresh in his hand and say, Lord, I do belong to you. I identify with you, Jesus. You died and rose again for me. And I'm going to live my life with you and for you. It's a good time to do that. Those whom God had already chosen, he set apart to become like his son. That's his purpose. That's his plan. So that the son would be the first among many believers. God had in mind when he sent Jesus, family, the family of God, and that we, that you and I, and anyone who would dare to put their trust in him, become part of that eternal life-giving family. And so those whom God has set apart, he called. And it says those he called, he put right, he justified with himself. He, he made right. And also he's given us his glory. And the way he gives us his glory, he gives that a taste of glory by putting, placing his spirit in our lives and causing us to spirit, his spirit, to run around everything we do, every part of our lives like a roaring river. So what can be against us? You know, what can anyone say? It's incomprehensible, the power of God toward us. If he's for us, who can be against us? Certainly not God, who didn't even keep back his own son, but offered him for us all. He gave us his son. Will he not with him also freely give us all things. That's my prayer for you, that whatever your desire is, whatever your heart is at the moment, that he will supply your need according to his mighty torrent of grace. We're to prevail in life, in his love. We're more, it says, more than conquerors. We're, in other words, we're not just um, an eschatological people with a hope for the future. We're not just a faithful people that plot on and stick to the, the call. We're not just a, a pedagogical people that, that know and, and teach and one another and, and have a comprehension of things. And we're not just Stoics that just keep on going good or, or bad. They just, with a straight face, just keep on going. We're to be far more than that as God's people. God's calling us into an exuberant life. It says we have complete victory through him who loved us. In verse 38, for I am certain, I love this, Paul is saying, I am absolutely certain that nothing, he's been through a lot, can separate us from his love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers or powers. This is the unseen realm that we often forget about. Neither the present what's happening in our present or the future, neither the world above, the heavenly world, in the galaxies above or that which is below. There's nothing in all creation, it says, that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus, our Lord. What a wonderful promise that, that in seasons of difficulty, it's our time. 
It's God's time and our time. And God wants to carry us with a sense of expectation, of confidence, of hope that the world without him cannot have. And so that we can look at life, we can look at what's happening and, and have a whole different attitude because we know whom we are. We're a part of this family. God is working his purposes together in our lives. He's binding us together, even though we're separated uh, and can't come to, to our normal gatherings. And yet God is doing a great work in your home, in your heart, in your family, in your lives, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, because that's the way he is. And he exhilarates when things get tough uh, because it's not just when the tough, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It's, it's that God actually lifts us up like a mighty torrent, like a river, that mighty river that comes, that we've talked about in the, in the garden, that came right in the beginning of creation. God's river, which is God himself, comes and personally carries us and lifts us up and gives us an exhilarating ride uh, when in our own human nature, in our own capacity, we would be quite defeated. And so what an exciting life to be part of. I'm so glad I'm a follower of Jesus and I trust uh, you are too. And if you're still not a follower of Jesus, you put your trust in him today. So I'm going to acknowledge uh, what God through Christ has achieved. I think that's the first thing that we need to do is acknowledge, read this chapter, see it as a template for your prayers and acknowledge that God through Christ has achieved so, so, so much for you. And secondly, I believe God is calling you and I to receive the fullness of his spirit. His river is bursting to flow through you today and not just today but through the rest of your life god just doesn't give a stop and and uh, and give you a, a dry riverbed god's river is always flowing in every situation we see that there's nothing it's an unstoppable river it's an ever flowing river and so we keep on going we keep on running and flowing with him so let me pray for you this morning. I trust you've been blessed and uh, I trust that you will be inspired to go on with confidence and encourage those around you, your family, encourage your, your neighbours and workmates because uh, God is at work and he loves you, he loves them. It's an unstoppable love. It's an incomprehensible, irresistible love that Christ has given us and called us to live. So Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you today that you love everyone, that you're reaching out in my heart today, in our hearts today, that you're reaching out into the hearts of my viewers today. And Lord, that you're filling them with your spirit. And Lord, as we hunger and say, Lord, yes, I want more of you. Yes, I yield myself to you. Yes, I look to you and not to my own way and my own uh, comprehension of, of, of the world about me or what the news is telling me. I'm looking, Jesus, while I'm reading all that, while I'm seeing all that, I'm looking to you. And this morning I'm giving myself afresh to you. Come and fill me. 
come and saturate me with your, with your love and your confidence, your life, your living water. And not only that, Lord, but carry me forth into this coming week with a fresh sense of momentum, love and life. In the name of Jesus, and if you could say with me, amen and amen.